0: Hello and welcome to the South American Football Show on the World Football Index. On this week's show, we will look at the latest action in the Copa Libertadores as we edge ever closer to the group stage of the 2019 edition. Joining me, as ever, pretty much, are my two usual partners in crime when discussing Libertadores stuff, and that is Simon and Austin. I'll come over to Simon first. Simon, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Played football for the first time in about four or five weeks after an injury. Felt okay. I felt okay. Sun is shining. Lots of Libertadores football, so all is good here in Medellin, Colombia.
0: I think I'm going to be in the same boat next week. Uh, looks like my the worst of my broken toe is over. So hoping to test it out in a match next week. Um, also joining us, as I mentioned, was Austin. How are you doing, Austin?
2: Doing quite well, Adam. Good to be on the show. Uh, hope that the quality of your uh, Sunday football when you get back is, is that at a high level for
0: you. Fingers crossed, too, on that front. Let's get started with talking about probably the game with the highest quality this week that we saw in the in the Libertadores, at least. And that is Talleres 2, Palestino 2. Just before we do go into discussing exactly what happened in this game um, on the day on the day building up to this match it was basically announced that Chilean sides well the ones who had already had played matches in comparable competitions which were palestino obviously in this competition and also Unión La Calera in uh, Sudamericana who shocked um, Brazilian side Chapa Coense um, the night before this this game was played um it suddenly emerged that those two sides might be expelled from ball competitions basically after their own fa the chilean fa registered them late on the comet system that like we've spoken about before in these podcasts that's the system used by the got by the comp by the federation commonball um to register players for the competition so basically the chilean fa have registered them late um And it seemed like there was a chance that they may be expelled from the competition. But within the space of about two hours, everything had calmed down. The Chilean FA had basically accepted that it was their error and said that they will be the ones who will pay the fine. Uh, And there's basically nothing to worry about as it's just fines only. There's no threat of expulsion from the competition. ball then confirmed this a few hours later and, um, and also mentioned in their statement that basically, oh, I think it was about at least 20 other sides had also registered late, or at least their FAs had registered those teams late and, um, including the Brazilian FA who were probably the most guilty party. So yeah, it's, uh, that, that kind of drama probably didn't help Palestino in their build up if they were aware of it. Um, The the Ecuadorian side, Barcelona, we should probably mention as well. Um, Listeners to last week's pod will will have heard about that case of uh, Sebastián Pérez basically being registered late for for this competition. So, Commonwealth said that their previous 2-1 victory, I think it was, in Uruguay suddenly turned into a 3-0 defeat, which basically sent them out of the competition. So... With this news, Barcelona Ecuador basically weren't very happy with with this decision. Um, but Comerbol then came out and said that the issue was more complex in their case, and it was the it was the fact that he was still registered to the Mexican FA. Um, then a document emerged suggesting that he wasn't registered to the Mexican FA. So that one could still rumble on, but. Anyway, let's get on to talk about what was certainly the highlight of the, of this Libertadores week um, where you know, a lot of past before the game as you just heard but the next 90 minutes brought us the kind of drama that we actually do like uh, which is on the pitch drama. Um, it looked like it was going to be a very very long night for Palestino in the, in the first few minutes of this game. Uh, the Yere's started the game like a runaway train basically um the Colombian Deiro uh, uh, Moreno um their big summer signing uh from Colombia uh put them one up inside the opening couple of minutes I wasn't even watching at that point Uh, I just finished work and I was was still trying to get to a bar but as soon as I got there and started watching the game for me it was clear who the superior side were. You know, Palestino was second to every loose ball. The Argentines were quicker, sharper, more precise with their passes. And they continue to dominate this contest. Um, they were, they were finally rewarded with a second goal around, I think it was about around the half an hour mark, maybe a little bit later when uh, Juan Ramirez converted the penalty after Palestino's playmaker Jimenez had, clumsily brought down a, a Pagliere's player in the box so yeah it, at that point I think I actually messaged um, Austin and Simon at that point saying I'd happily take a 2-0 defeat just to keep sort of an element of hope alive for the for the second leg uh, but I was wrong because I believe the next message after that from you Adam was or not and was right <laughs> when Palestino got do. their goal Indeed, out of the blue it was really, wasn't it? The Palestino won a throw-in um, just before half time. It, it was it was flicked on at the near post, wasn't cleared properly. Poor header from a thegiera's De defender, um, and it fell to Cesar Cortez, who executed a fine volley from about ten yards out. Keeper got a hand to it, but couldn't couldn't quite keep it out. And um, and yeah, and that just changed the game really. You know, then it was your typical kind of game of two halves, um, where in the second half, the game totally swung the way of Palestino. They, they were dominating the ball. Most of the game was being played in the, in the, in the Argentine half. The Chileans got a deserved equaliser. When, uh, when substitute Cristobal, Cristobal uh, played. he played a wonderful through ball, split open the, the area's defence and Soto um burst into the box and hit a shot right into the side netting in the goal on the opposite side he was shooting pretty unstoppable and uh and 2-2 two, two. and uh and like i say that that was very much deserved at that point in the game just after that gonzalez in the palestina goal did actually have to make a pretty good save to keep it 2-2 two, two. um and and to keep and to keep the argentines uh Level with with Palestina, but it was Palestina who had, who then had the best chance to win it. I felt in the in the last few minutes um, when another sub, Diego Resende, he, he almost volleyed home. He didn't really connect properly. Keeper got something on it, and and uh, Dajeres managed to they managed to keep it out somehow. So so yeah, the the match finished two two. A wonderful result for Palestina, especially coming from two goals down. And uh, and yeah, and it's set up perfectly, really, for for the second leg. Um, I know you guys watched this game and enjoyed it as well. Any, any any more thoughts, Austin, Simon?
2: Yeah, I thought the finishing in this game, particularly when juxtaposed against some of the finishing that we saw in some of the other matches, was really good. At first glance, I thought that the Tiaras goalkeeper Herrera had made a mistake on on the finish by Cortez. But on, on watching that replay back, I, I, Cortez did really well to finish that the way that he did. He got a lot of pace behind his strike. and made it really difficult for the goalkeeper to get anything on it. Uh, obviously, the defending leading up to the, the finish was poor from Taieras. But, but good on Cortez to, to finish in the way that he did. Um, Moreno's finish to start off this match was really well done. Uh, kind of just a, a classic cheeky chip from a, a really experienced striker. And I agree with you, Adam. When Taieras started this match, I think and they still might be the the best team in this tie, but pa- Palestino did did very well to come back in it. But I thought Pal- uh, Taieres, I should say, were quite good to start this match and then just kind of faded once Palestino got one back. And as you said, it, it's perfectly set up for the second leg in this tie. And I think it's probably going to be the most entertaining of the second legs that we get.
1: Yeah, it reminded me of the Minero game last week in the way that, Sajedes were so dominant and so on top and, and doing everything right, home crowd behind them, and then suddenly there's a goal out of nowhere and it kind of changes the atmosphere in the stadium. I think going in 2-0 at halftime would have been would have been huge for the Argentines. But getting that goal out of nowhere for Palestino just before the halftime break changed the mood in the in the changing room, I'm sure, for both sides. Uh Tadieres weren't then looking to win, you know, kill off the tie. They were looking to ensure they go into the second leg with an advantage. And they were pushed back on uh, and it and it really hurt them. Guillermo Soto, the, the right back that you mentioned, I thought he had a really good game. Very, very good game. Getting up and down on the right hand um, side. He was,
0: he was very good and instrumental in the two legs against DiEM uh, as well. He, he set up the goal in the home leg. With with uh, with the pullback to Julian Fernandez, if you remember that goal, uh, to make it one-one, yeah, he's been a fantastic signing. Suddenly, I, I was looking into him earlier in the week. Yeah, he did play a few times for Palestino last year, um, and I and I do remember some of his performances there. But it's it's really in the in that last year or so that he's he's come to prominence in Genoa. Before that, he was sort of in the lower leagues. Um, he's 25 now, and it, and it seems like he's uh, he's he's starting to peak. Yeah, he was very good. I think,
1: uh, as you say, on the basis of the the game and what we've seen before from Tagliere's, I think they are the superior side. I think Dado Moreno is doing well with a with a sprightly partner alongside him. At at Nacional, he often found himself isolated, and he's a great great finisher with the ball uh, of chances, and is very good in the box, but. He does, does benefit from having someone closer, and I think they do that well, Tajeres. I just think Palestino do their, go about their job very, very well. They're not exceptionally crisp in possession, but they make the right decisions, and I think that's what defines this side for me uh, in Palestino. They, they make the right decisions and kind of make the most of what they have. A bit shell-shocked to begin with in this tie against a very good opposition, but showed good character to come back in, and once they got that goal out of nowhere, they definitely made it a real game, so all to play for. Um I think Tajinas are still favorites but Palestino at home are going to going to enjoy this uh, second leg.
0: Yeah, so the second leg will be played at Universidad Católica Stadium, the, the same venue where Palestino got a 1-1 draw against DiEM in, in the in the last round. Um, I think they got about 6-7,000 from that one. I, I expect maybe a little bit more from this um are one of those clubs where if you support one of the bigger clubs in in Santiago, a lot of people have a soft spot for Palestino, so I think uh, I, th- I, th- I think might might start to push eight nine thousand for 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 this second leg, hopefully, and, uh, and and make it a real home game for for the Chilean side. Um, Austin, you've got some more thoughts.
2: Yeah, just a couple of quick things, Adam. One, great kit for Palestino. I really enjoyed that kit. I know that you said you'd send a couple back to some of your followers in various parts of the world. I can see why. It's a very good looking kit.
0: Yeah, definitely, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a kit over the years which, is, uh, which has caused some controversy. I think I think it was back in 2014, 2015. I actually wrote an article on it for the magazine When Saturday Comes in, in, in England. Um, that basically the numbers were in shape of um, the the map of of Palestine, um, but after about two three games wearing it, might not even been that. Um, one of the presidents of of I think he was the president of Noblense, complained. Um, he he he's Jewish and he said that he was offended by it, and uh, and basically they were they were forced to. Yeah, get rid of the of this idea, and uh, just go back to normal shaped numbers. Um, there's there's actually been talk here in Chile in the last week. I, I, I know that you guys certainly saw it, and um, and it's kind of gone viral uh, after last weekend. But O'Higgins, um, they basically took to the field with uh, numbers made out of. Uh, I was going to use the Spanish word there, French fries. In, uh, so, and with basically a little bit of ketchup on top. It, it didn't look particularly classy. So basically there's a bit of a campaign now for the, the Chilean FA to basically roll out kind of standard letter and numbering on, on, on all the shirts to avoid any such controversies in, in, in the future.
2: Simon, can you confirm reports that AFC Envigado are maybe looking to get a sponsorship for their numbers on the back of their kits?
1: Yeah, well, we're currently working on a current design. Uh, yeah, there may be some controvers- controversies. Uh, we're going for a striped look uh, with the orange and the black. So we have a barnet motif, and if there's any fast food outlets who want to ruin our kit, you know, give me a shout. We'll take the money. And, uh, yeah, so we- we'll talk. We'll talk. So if you want we stick a... Chicho, or whatever you want, some 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 fruit on a on a kit. You know, we'll we'll definitely have that
2: discussion. And I did have one more point that I wanted to make on this game that was not related to the kits, uh, and that was the fact that American International Joseph Sonora got the start for Tiatas, uh, the 22-year-old from Dallas who played at Stuttgart in Germany recently for their reserve teams. Now in his second year with Tiatas. A pretty interesting story. He played at the under 20 World Cup for the United States in 2015. Uh, Got the start here for Tayetis, which was impressive to see and has started for them a little bit as this season has gone on. I I was impressed by what I saw from him. Uh, Certainly wasn't a a standout performance, but good to see him getting in the rotation Uh, and would love to see more Americans obviously take the opportunity to go play in a place like Argentina and in the Copa Libertadores. So good to see Sonia getting the start and good to see him, him doing relatively well for his club. So certainly one to keep an eye on for maybe some of our American listeners of the podcast.
0: Indeed. Uh, I never knew that you were so passionate about US soccer until this week, Austin.
2: I'm passionate in what will bring my content the numbers, Adam, and let's be quite clear. Americans doing well in the Libertadores is good for those of us who cover the
0: Libertadores in English. Indeed, indeed. Um, let's, Let's move on to talk about the other three matches, which might take about the same time as that first match did in total. Um, because they weren't as exciting. But stick with us anyway. I'm sure we've got lots of fun takes on them. Um, So Melgar of Peru, uh, they managed a two-nil win over Caracas um, in Arequipa. That's a fairly solid lead to take with them to, to Venezuela for the second leg. Austin, I know that you saw this one, so talk us through it.
2: The best thing I can say about this match, Adam, is there were more goals in this one than there were in the Champions League fixtures played on the same day. 2-0. to zero. Uh, Impressive for Melgar. I think they did very well in this match. They certainly played better than I expected them to, uh, based on what we've seen from them in past years in this competition. They did well to get past a, a transitional Lao side um, in that first round. And I thought they played well here to score two goals. The second goal from Atakaki was, was very impressive. Look, they're not going to revolutionize the way that football is played in South America. Um, but all things considered, I thought this was a solid performance from them. And it'll be interesting to see what they do as this competition goes on. Simon, it looks like this could be the end of the run for Caracas in this competition, barring a, a strong turnaround down the stretch in the second leg. Are you going to miss them in this competition? Yeah,
1: you know, they, they've done a good job. Um, you know, obviously, an impressive win for Melgar. Caracas have shown that they can be disciplined and organised. They they kept a Delphine side out. So to get a 2-0 win at home against this this decent, organised Venezuelan side uh, is, is an impressive result for the Peruvians. I can't see Caracas scoring at least two in the second leg. Um, obviously no away goals in this tie as well so far. They've got a couple of strikers. They try and play it long. You know, I, I've been impressed with what they've done with what they have, but do they have two plus goals in them in the second leg? I don't know, but we'll see. They'll give it a good go. They did show a good balance in previous games between a solid defence and, and still managed to provide something in attack, but they don't really seem set up to me to, to go all out attack for 90 minutes, but... We'll see. It could, it could go mad, um, but I would expect the Peruvian size to see things out fairly comfortably. We'll have to see
0: how things go. OK, the match which uh, followed the entertaining Palestino-Taghiere's tie was defensor sporting of Uruguay against Aletico Mineiro of Brazil. Um, the Brazilians won 2-0 in, in Uruguay, so they're taking a very solid lead back to Belo Horizonte. Um, Austin, tell us more.
2: Yeah, this was, I think, more clinical for let's Cominato than we saw in their first appearance in this competition, which was obviously the advancement against Danubio. Uh, in the match that was actually played at the exact same stadium as this one against Defensor Sporting, let's Cominato took the lead twice, but then were pegged back 2 2. Um, this was a lot. Maybe not as impressive from a pure footballing standpoint, but they were a lot more clinical. They were a lot more composed um, and really took advantage of a team that frankly just doesn't have as much talent as they do and did what they were supposed to do in this situation. An early goal from Hever, which was well taken, set piece, ball sent into the box, just flicked it in off his head past the goalkeeper. Well done to, to go ahead. And then they got another one after the game kind of opened up a little bit as the second half went on. A really good cross in from the side and Juan Costas who has been really good for Echeleco Coronado has been there for quite some time now for as far as the South American standpoint is concerned a really well taken header um off his head right into the corner of the net to, to make this 2-0 this was clinical from Gallo I think is is the best way to describe it you certainly favor them to go through in the second leg um it's really hard to see where defensor sporting will trouble them particularly trouble them twice in a single match but if Atlético have taught us anything in the in the Libertadores, it's that they could struggle to put away matches. Um, I thought Cazares was really good in this match. Yumi has continued to be dangerous on the wings, um, certainly a threat against opposing defenses. And Ricardo Oliveira maybe didn't do as much. He had a couple of chances. I remember one in particular where he forced a, a good save from Rodriguez, the defensive supporting goalkeeper. Uh, wasn't able to add to his goal toll in this match, but certainly looked dangerous. And Atlético Mineiro appear to have done enough to to put themselves into the group stage. And I think once they get into the group stage, it'll be they'll be right in it with the teams that they'll go in. Um, Another trip to Uruguay for them in the group stage. Should they get there? Nacional, Cerro Porteño, Zamora. um, You probably favor Atlético Mineiro to come out of that group. So I think they did well enough to get out of the last round. And then I think they've inspired a lot more confidence for their ability to kind of do what's expected of them. With this performance, it wasn't you know the most impressive thing you'll see in the Libertadores, but it was composed. It was relatively easy. They've gotten themselves a big cushion going back home. Maybe they can play some of that free-flowing football without fear of, of giving this one away, and they'll be done and dusted it into the group stage. Simon?
1: Yeah, obviously, um, we were very, very impressed by Minero for the first half last week. Uh, this, again, much more professional performance to see things out, to 0 you know. I think defensive sporting... Uh, are fairly limited we've seen we've seen them impress at moments but uh you know they they did struggle in the last round and you'd be very surprised if they make things as interesting
0: well they, uh, should, in, they, in shouldn't, they shouldn't be here really <laughs> that's the that's the thing like they looked aside a little bit out of their depth that's because they should have got knocked out in the previous round yeah lost two games exactly. <laughs> it's uh ridiculous
1: and the, goal, the only goal they've scored came from about the halfway line as well. So it does suggest that maybe they haven't got the attacking uh, you know, unit that they, they might need unless Nevado can ping one in from 50 yards three times in the second leg. Now, this does feel like it's a game that's done and dusted. Uh, hopefully, Monero will, will try and put on a show at home in the second round, having that cushion. Uh, hopefully, we can see some nice football because they were very, very impressive for half of the last round of, uh, of the tournament. So we'll see what they can pull up in, at home. Uh, and just, yeah, we just got to hope that they, they try and put on a show rather than just see it out at 2-0. But much more composed in the second leg. Less, far less drama uh, against defensive
2: sporting uh, t- in this week's game. Adam, you will be surprised to discover that in relation to the, the controversy that you mentioned at the start of this show, defensive sporting have lodged an appeal and do want the 3-0 win from this leg because that does appear to be the only way they're going to advance in this competition.
0: Maybe they will win the competition just on a series of administration errors from the opposition. Get in the group stage, sneak through the group stage via a decision. Maybe, maybe win a couple of penalty shootouts on the way as well. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, But basically, win the competition without winning a game with a mix of... Penalty shootout wins and administration decisions. That would be that would be wonderful. Anyway, um, the last game we need to speak about is Libertad one, uh, Atlético Nacional nil. Simon, I'll come to you first on this. As it involved a Colombian side, a pretty disappointing night for the Colombians really um, in Paraguay. Uh, Libertad. They've got a fairly strong side this year, it has to be said. They are arguably favourites this tie when I looked at the two sides on paper. And, and they're taking a 1-0 lead to Colombia for that second leg, which is which is fairly solid on on the face of it. Do you see a uh, way back for Nacional?
1: Yeah, I mean, in this game, I would say Atlético Nacional played significantly better than their opponents, but could have lost 2-0. They probably could have scored three or four as well. They really dominated possession. dad was solid, but I wasn't particularly impressive with what they did on the ball. The goal they scored was a, a, a free kick, a kind of soft, silly free kick to give away uh, on the right-hand side. And it was hung up to the far post, headed across goal, and terrible, terrible defending. They left... The one guy they should have been marking, three at the far post to tap in. Oscar Cardoso, the six-foot-five Paraguayan international. Their goal scorer, the guy who scores all the goals, was left completely free at the far post. Really poor defending, uh, which was a one-off. Well, kind of a two-off, because they also had a good chance uh, five minutes later, Libertad. But generally, Nacional looked like a team well-balanced that could pass the ball well. Uh, Bragión Rovira in midfield was really good on the ball, uh, they look very comfortable passing it out. Uh, Daniel Bocanegra, I had some questions about him playing at centre back, but he's very composed on the ball in that position. Uh, Nicolas Hernandez, this is his first full season at Nacional, but looked composed too alongside him. Uh, the fullback's pushing on. So I think Nacional have a lot of good in this side. They, they pass it well out of the back, but when they get into the final third, that's when they have problems. The Vladimir Hernandez cuts inside and, and tries to play some nice through balls. Sepellini, the new the the new number ten, Uruguayan, struggled a little bit. He he was tidy enough on, on the ball at moving it, but he never really made anything to kind of open up the opposition defense. Uh, jo- Jason Lukomi, again can beat his man, but not the most intelligent of passers. Kind of gets his head down sometimes. So they they had half a good team and then Omar Duarte is the number 9 in for Barkos who who had a had a knock uh, from against in the game against Lekydad but is on the bench and Duarte had every chance national had fell to Omar Duarte and and his misses became increasingly embarrassing across the game he was getting into the positions i think he is the best you can say but he had one in the free volley inside the 6 yard box and hit the post had one which was ridiculous. He int- attempted a volley, missed it. The goalkeeper then slid along the floor to keep it in play and pulled it straight back into Duarte's feet. He then dribbled inside the 6-yard box with two or three touches and passed it against the post with an open goal. Uh, and this is kind of typifying <laughs> Nacional's frustration. Poor old Omar Duarte is getting a lot of a lot of abuse at the moment, but the the frustration with Nacional is they did play well in this game. It could have been worse. It could have been 2-0. But they had the majority of possession. They worked it very well forward, but in the final third, they lacked that final pass and when they did make that that decisive pass, it fell to a striker who couldn't finish. So I still think this game is wide open. It's disappointing given the chances they didn't get an away goal in this this game. Um, It's going to be interesting in Medellin because I wasn't particularly impressed by Libertad, but obviously they got the job done on the night, but Nacional really played their way out of the high Libertad press. Again, very, very well. And that does create space and openings. They just don't have the players to take advantage of that. So, half a good performance from Nacional. The result is disappointing, although not uh, as big a disaster as it could have been, with a clear, clear chance for Adrian Martinez to make it 2-0 for Libertad. Um, so, I wasn't disappointed with the performance, but the finishing and the result... Is not what it could have been for Nacional tonight.
2: Yeah, and Simon, I thought this game could have gone a lot differently and maybe should have gone a lot differently for everybody involved, to be quite honest. Nacional had chances to get an away goal, perhaps even win the tie. Libertad had a chance to double their advantage, as you mentioned, Martinez. uh, Maybe a bit of a tougher chance than we saw from Duarte, uh, but he could have certainly not put this away but given his side a much better advantage so it's certainly all still in play as we head towards the second leg um had the big mistake i think you're exactly right there you just can't leave cardoso open he also can't get away from you so as long as you're by him he's not going to be able to create any space but they just managed to leave him unmarked on a set piece situation and that really cost them um I do think they can get back in it. They'll have to find their finishing boots because in three games they've scored one goal. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Simon. Only one shot on target in those three games. Is that correct? Well, against
1: against uh, well, in the first leg, they had one shot on target and one goal. I think in the second leg they might have hit the target a couple more times, but again, not not very many. Yeah, it's it, it's the real real big issue because everything's good until the final third and then it's acceptable given the amount of position they have they make a few chances and then the finishing just completely runs things into the ground hopefully Anand Barcos can come on and they just need to stick him in the penalty box I know he does great great build-up play but they don't have anyone else who's <laughs> going to finish so he you know just he's an experienced striker put him in the six-yard box and, and let the other guys do the work and just just find him the the pitch in the international feels very big I think National are going to spread the play, try and make Libertad work, try and per- pass their way through the team. But it all comes down to just getting anything on it and getting the net, because I-, I do think at home, Nacional will create plenty of chances, but I can't be sure that they'll put any of them away.
2: Adam, to me, this tie feels like it's going to penalties based on what I saw from the first leg and what I think will happen in the second leg. I can very easily see Nacional scrap one across somehow. Maybe they'll score a wonder goal. Um, or maybe they'll just kind of knock it in and then things will kind of play out and we'll see what happens at the end but penalties for me would be my prediction in this tie
0: yeah it's not a bad shout that I think nil nil one nil with probably the two most likely results um, in in this game in in the second leg but I do have a feeling that the Paraguayans are just going to edge through somehow whether that be on penalties or you know the fact they if they if they do get an away goal suddenly it's a very long way back for the Colombians so yeah I'm, I'm edging towards the Paraguayans in in this in the in this one so and that's probably one of two ties left where it really could go either way you've got to say that the other two ties are probably over and as going to say yeah Libertad still haven't played their trump cards we still haven't seen McNally we still haven't seen Alex
1: Mejia. that would be an interesting story they didn't come on in this game they're both on the bench. But in the second leg, at the Etanasio, if they need a goal, you can really see Magnelli coming off the bench and, uh, you know, he's a real hero for National fans and he could make the difference. As it, come as back as it, and then. haunt them. Absolutely. I think they, they they lacked that. I'm surprised they didn't bring them in. Obviously, the game was going well with the goal and they were fairly solid, but, and obviously Magnelli isn't the biggest, you know, he doesn't have a great deal of energy in, his, in the tank, but... Yeah, you can really see um, either Alex Mihir coming on and just and just running the game and, and seeing things out for Lippi Dad, or Mah- uh, Magnelli coming on and picking out a pass that that could be decisive. So that's another possible uh, twist in the tale this time.
0: Right, that's all for this week. Short but sweet. For this podcast. Austin, do you have anything to plug? I just wanted to
2: say quickly, Adam. Now that you're back to editing and hosting, we happen to have a short show. Is is that a coincidence?
0: <laughs> it, it, it definitely isn't. The, the, my preparation for this show was possibly the weakest it's ever been, and I apologise to any of our listeners if that has shone through in the production of this podcast.
2: I was just referring to the fact that you've given yourself an easy edit. I wasn't trying to throw you <laughs> under the bus. You just happened to do that for yourself. Uh, as far as plugs are concerned, you can follow me on Twitter at austinjames underscore James 906. Lots of stuff happening in, in South America, in Brazil. Um, I started my new job this past week. So if you're looking for more English language coverage, you can follow at the Libertadores and at the... Sudamericana for English language coverage from both of those competitions from the official accounts. A really nice goal in the Sudamericana this week from both the folks Alex Santana. I think that would win a goal of the week competition if there was. So be sure to go check that goal out. I, I think you'll quite enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I saw I saw that game. Um, it was it was it was one-sided, but somehow the team that was dominated for pretty much two legs ended up winning 4-0. So <laughs> pretty bizarre. Anyway, Simon. Yeah, so Twitter at Simon Edwards SAF for
1: Colombian players and stuff, and it's good to know that we've got you know some corporate advertising. So good to get that Libertadores money coming our way for the for the promotion for the, the at Libertadores account. So that's good to know. Uh, I'll wait. I'll wait for the check in the post.
0: Yeah, me too. Is that I'm not sure if it's coming straight from Austin or or straight from Paraguay, Comalvo's headquarters.
2: I will simply say that the opinions on this show are mine and mine alone. I don't speak for anybody.
0: I think, that's, uh, I think that's the right safe option to take. Anyway, a big thanks to our listeners for joining us this week. And a big thanks to Austin and Simon again. And we'll be back next week to discuss the second legs of these yeah. ties to see who has made it through to the 2019 Copper Liver Storage Group stages. And it's goodbye.